Hello and welcome to the Adult Children's Voices Across America Speakers Meeting. If you would like to attend this meeting live, go to adultchildren.org and click on Online Meetings, and then scroll down to find Thursday at 6 p.m. Pacific Time. I'm happy to introduce our speaker, Vange, from Palm Coast, Florida. I'm mostly wiser, Sister Gretch. Um, I'm really grateful, and I'm, I'm so grateful that we're, um, we're in recovery together. And I was thinking earlier about, um, you know, the topic, and I, uh, I was thinking about our family. We have, uh, there's, there's Gretchen is the oldest, and there are uh, two siblings, brothers, um, both with uh, some mental illness. One is, one is deceased who died sober and my other brother is sober and I am sober. And so, I mean, how great is that, that we are all in recovery in our family. Um, so like that, that for me is, uh, every day I think about how my recovery is going, what I can do, you know, and, you know, thinking back, um, even before I came into 12 step, which was, um, uh, fellow program AA about 25 years ago, I, I, I was really in the recovery process before that, because like, I, I was aware that I needed, that I needed to change, that I wasn't happy, that things weren't going well that I was hurting, that I was sad, and I didn't know what to do with any of it. But I did that awareness of that, of those feelings, and my awareness of that, I'm grateful for that, those perceptions, because that's what led me um, to my first bottom with alcohol and drugs, and that's what got me into the start of my recovery. So to go into a little bit of history, um, uh, my parents were both alcoholic and um, my father was a, uh, a lifer in the army out of West Point and he was in two wars, the Korean War and the, Viet the Vietnam War. And um, so he was never around. There's a saying in the, um, in the military, if the army they wanted you to have a wife, they would have issued you one. And um, he actually, he said that a few times. And it was, it's true. I mean, he was, and he was a, he was a wonderful officer, um, even though not nearly, you know, nearly killed him. And like emotionally uh, um, and spiritually, I think it, it was devastating to him. Um, he was always there. Um, for for his for his men, and um, you know, I noticed a behavior pattern of his early on that I took on, which was you know, I could schmooze a stranger, be friendly, like you know, take the plumber's side over like my friends. I mean, this pattern of like being not able to like be there for those that. Um, those that I care about on some levels, and I call that intimacy. 
Um, so that was something that I think I picked up from him at a very early age. And my mother was very artistic and had the four kids and was overwhelmed because she was alone. And the whole deal back then was, you know, pills and booze. And that's what everybody did. I mean, and from, from what, from my perception of the sixties and seventies is that's what people did. They drank and they, they took pills to, to, to cope. So, uh, they were both alcoholics and my, my father was like absent emotionally and my mother was a drunken rager. So, um, and then when she was sober, she would be, uh, you know, very sweet and, uh, I guess loving. So after every one of those raging things, like if I would be like expecting there to be some, some like friendliness, niceness, like a nice meal or whatever. And then other times she was also emotionally unavailable, just overwhelmed. I think completely overwhelmed by life and, uh, and having, uh, having, having the kids. So, um, I had my first drink at the age of eight. I smoked and I got drunk and I smoked pot uh, when I was 11. And that was me often running to medicate this enormous feelings of um, just a feeling didn't belong, out of sorts, um, sadness, uh, bereftness, loneliness. And that's, that's was the sort of the center of my being. That's what I felt mostly. Uh, like on it, novels. And um, so at some point, my parents divorced. Uh, I was, I was um, eight, nine years old when it started happening. And, you know, the whole thing, the whole experience was just sad, sad. And, um, <clears throat> you know, sad and awful felt like it didn't belong. I did have, um, I'm grateful that I had my older sister there. She was, um, a source of great, uh, you know, strength and comfort to me. And that was a big help. And then my mom found some drugs in the freezer, like an ounce of cocaine. She's like, we're out of here. She sold the house and we moved to Greece on a freighter. We moved to the island of Corfu. We didn't know anything. We didn't know where we were going. We had a husky that ate sheep and chickens. We ended up on this island in Greece, you know, and there's no drinking age. So there's no, there's no rules. You know, at that point, I remember you, know, my dad was out of the picture in the States. We're in Greece. My mother said to me at one point, you know, you're 13. I'm really tired of raising children. I mean, could you just like finish it up on your own? And I'm thinking to myself, well, sure I can. Why? I mean, you know, I mean, I have some wine and I've got, you know, at that point I had my little guitar. And so that's what I thought was normal. I thought it was normal. You know, um, my sister wasn't around. I was with my brother and we just sort of wandered around on this island, drank wine and and that was from the age of 12 to 14 ish. And then I went um, to India with my two brothers overland 
And uh, my mom gave us, I think, a hundred bucks. And we had a camera to sell. And she was going to get us some money in India. Well, that didn't happen. And it was really, I was in Turkey and someone offered to buy me. I was 14 years old. And I was, it's a miracle. I wasn't sold into white slavery or just grabbed. There was a couple of, I mean, there were some very, very risky, dangerous moments on that trip. That was four months that I went overland. And what saved me, I think, was I was with my two brothers. And um, that's the, you know, that code of honor and that bond, uh, I think, is what what saved me on that trip. So, uh, you know, went overland to India, all sorts of, you know, stuff going on, snorting heroin, you know, walking or hanging out with people that had death tattooed on their chest, you know. And um, so I got got back to, got back from India, and um, I was lucky enough to uh, stay with my sister, and that was sort of a grounding experience. And then we went to London, and um, sort of back and forth. My mother went back to New York, and I was left in um, London with um, a friend's mother to help to help to look after me. But I was. I was on my own. I did have um, friends and I was looked after. I'm really grateful that, you know, even in India and going through life, uh, it seems like there was, there were, there were always helpers there. And I love that, uh, that quote from Mr. Rogers, when he talks about, you know, his mother said to him, look for the helpers. And I was lucky enough that, um, that I, that I had helpers there. Um, and so I, you know, made it through my teenage years in London, went back to that. Well, actually I, I, and when I was 19, I got pregnant with my daughter and I just gotten out of a a relationship. I was brokenhearted. I just thought, you know, it would be nice to love someone to have someone love me. I was 19 years old. I mean, literally I wanted to be a rock and roll star. I played guitar. I, you know, whatever, jammed around. I was not, I had no clue. So I had my daughter and then I had my son and I was 20. And my, um, the father of my son was using and um, I left him. I went back to, I went to New York City, lived with my mother and my mother and I just had this very enmeshed relationship. And I basically, uh, I didn't, I didn't know how to like live as an adult. And I was in New York. I did get a job raising the kids. We got out of New York after five years into Connecticut. Um, and uh, that was like a geographic cure that didn't work. And so over time, just everything compiled. And I'm in my 30s, drinking and using. And having gone through a whole years and just one after it, like unmanageable, insane um, stuff. And I, I just couldn't, I couldn't seem to get out of the vortex. When I was 38 years old, my mother was dying of COPD. I knew I had to, I knew I had to do something. I got sober 38 and that was the most important thing I've ever done in my life for myself. Uh, to to take that 
to be able to listen to myself enough at that point to know that I was killing myself and that I needed to do something and I did it. And I felt hope <clears throat> and I surrendered. And that's how it worked for me. And it's worked for me, you know, just, you know, the steps connecting, um, you know, looking at myself, trying to be accountable, honesty, uh, open-mindedness, willingness, that whole process, um, you know, took me through um, the, the, the first years of recovery and sobriety, and it changed my life. I was able to get, you know, a, a handle on the situation with my kids. I was able to set boundaries with them because I was not a good boundary setter. I didn't grow up with boundaries. And um, what happened was an addiction. I gave my power to my children and my mother. And then my mother passed and I didn't know how to get, I got sober. I didn't know how to get my power back. I was locked in this codependent vortex of wanting to make up for, you know, the, the, the you know, the whole uh, guilt, shame, remorse cycle. And I'm um, just grateful that I started learning about how to move through that. And I, you know, checked out Al-Anon and also ACA back then, but I couldn't, it was like, it didn't, it didn't ring with me. And then um, over time, I was able to see that my relationship behavior wasn't quite as rosy and fabulous as I thought. My initial thought was, oh, you know, I'm just a great partner. And, you know, I'm so great. You know, I'm like easygoing and, you know, fun loving. Well, you know, the more I got to know myself, I'm like, well, really? You're controlling, you know, you got, you're like, you're feeding your resentment garden all the time, especially in relationships. Once a relationship got over the honeymoon phase, I would immediately, there would be the undermining and the, and when, in, you know, I started looking at that more and also um, the tendency to accept unacceptable behavior and just let, like, put up with un unacceptable behavior, not set down, feel like there was a part of me that I deserved that. You know, a lot of it from my, at that point, adult children. So the whole process of reclaiming my authentic power, um, I was 14 years sober, and that's when I hit a bottom. Um, the beginnings of my bottoms with my codependence um, and my extreme like enabling issues and that whole process. And it was literally, I was married and this... Uh, I was undermining that relationship and my adult children were ripping me up. I mean, and I was just, uh, I mean, I was, I was devastated and heartbroken. And I, I was able to get into therapy. And the first thing, I mean, I, the good thing about recovery is I was able to say to this therapist, like, this is what I do. She was like, oh, you know, she was this very cool woman about to retire. And she was like, um, over time, she would say things to me like, 
no, you can't do that. I mean, you should like, you know, that's not cool. So she would like reinforce that this behavior I was talking to her about was, was not acceptable and how I handled my, especially my intimate relationships, the tendency to <clears throat> overreact, to attack a person's character instead of learning how to argue and say like, this is what bothers me. Instead, it's like, you are a, you know, whatever, hydraulic, blah, 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 that whole, that whole process. And that was a lot of work for me. That's been, a, the, uh, uh, <laughs> I think, um, you know, when I was doing my first step work, my sponsor said to me, I said, what is step four and five? Like, like, what is this really about? And she goes, you know, Vange, she says, what it's about is you're looking for what wants to kill you, she said. And she said, once you put the, the substance down or the food or whatever it is, she says, that thing's still going to be there. And that's what you're looking for. That's what you're looking to get under and, and up and out and have that awareness of that. So that going through life, you know when that starts coming up and you, and you, you don't let it, you don't let it run you. You don't let it take you down because it will. And I realized that that this behavior, these behaviors, the reactivity, the undermining, the judgmental, all this stuff, this is the stuff that was, was the crux the work I needed to do in recovery. So, um, so I did jumped into Dakota a little bit. And then when I went to this ACA meeting, it's three and a half years ago now, that was, that was for me immediately this time, immediately I knew that what I needed to do, I was like, like, got it. Like the universe just, I, I mean, I got it. And that's, that is thanks to, to recovery that I, that I was able to say, okay. And then I went to meetings, service work, got into a, um, the, the yellow book group, um, did those steps, took about ooh, a year, maybe year and a half, maybe 18 months, but it was wonderful. It was wonderful to finally be able to get down to what was really wrong and to really have a system of recovery and a book that actually was, was going to lead me through the, the, the parts of my childhood that were just so sad and so traumatic that that I had stuffed them or justified them or rationalized them or whatever that thing that I had done, I was able to just let go through these steps and to accept that it happened. Uh, my parents did the best they, they could. I was able to look at everything to accept that to know also that they loved me in their way very much. And that I also love my children very much. And I made mistakes 
uh, from what I had, from what I was taught, and that's okay. And then to make amends, um, but then in making amends, I don't have to continue to make amends. I can make amends and then understand that that process has freed me from that bondage of guilt, shame, or remorse. No longer am I bound to that. The only time I'm bound to it is if, is if I choose. And then if, I, if that happens, like, you know, because I can get sucked into it, I can reframe. I can talk to someone in recovery and, and I can um, remind myself that, that today I've done nothing wrong. I'm doing the best I can. And that's a good reassuring mantra for me uh, on a daily basis. And um, we're working the laundry list workbook, uh, also the same group. And that is, um, you know, what I love about the laundry list is that, you know, in the, in the 12 steps of AA, it's, they talk about defects. And I never could figure out, like, you know, in, the, in, the, in that program, I'm like, this defect stuff, the stuff, the behavior, the reaction, the responses, the stuff, it doesn't go away. Like, it doesn't just, you can't put it down like a drink or a drug. It just keeps rolling back around. It just keeps coming in, like, in situations of intimacy, being able to be honest with those I love, with my wife, to, to state my needs. Just really, that, that, that wasn't covered. But then in these um, steps, and then with the laundry list, it, it's, it clearly points out to me um, why, why, why these traits are going to be reoccurring, but that, and this is, I found this, as they reoccur and I have that awareness of them, I'm more able to process and do what I need to do to avoid being triggered or if I'm triggered to share with the person I'm triggered take a moment and and have that boundary that I can take a moment I don't have to jump in the fray I can step back take some time and uh and process what's going on so that's like that has been a huge, just an amazing huge gift in my life, uh, and um, you know because of recovery, I was able to work a job and retire, and um, be able to do what I love doing, which is um, playing music, and I have time now to play a couple times a week in the restaurants or places and just do like Strumma Lama cover songs, originals. And that's like, that was my dream, but I never could quite get it together. Um, I didn't know how to piece it all together, but like one, one step at a time, one process at a time. And that's what, um, 
my sponsor also said to me, one of the sponsors I've had, stick with the process. Just stick with it. Whatever you're feeling, just, just be with that. Don't think about, you know, what's going to happen with it. Just say, you know what? I'm really sad right now. You know, I don't feel good right now. Um, I'm angry and whatever. And just, just be in that, in that moment. And, um, that has helped me a lot because when we, you know, when I was in places of deep anxiety or feeling trauma come up, I was able to say to myself, you know what, Vange, that was good advice because it worked because so I can see that it's worked in the past. If I just stick with the process I'm having some rough days, I can reach out and I can, I, I know that will pass like the next day. I will, you know, I could, like could well have cleared. Um, because, you know, for many years I've had this, you know, recurring anxiety just coming up out of nowhere seemingly. And, but sticking with that process and being able to share with people that I love and who love me, then, then, um, it's helped because then I can get the love that I may need a hug or, you know, a cup of tea or whatever that is. And, um, you know, um, you know, letting others love me when I couldn't love myself has been, it's been everything to me. And, and now, um, I want others to love me. I'm all open to it. I mean, I came up to Connecticut, a new grandchild. I saw the other grandkids and then I have all these friends. They're like, Hey, stay at my house and stay at my house. And that's just like a, such a wonderful feeling. I mean, before I came into recovery, literally people didn't want to go around the block with me. It's like, I'd be like, Hey, you want to go to Vermont for the weekend? No, we're good, man. You know, and now I am, I can actually take that, uh, take that to heart and know that I've developed uh, deep lasting friendships and, um, the greatest friendship that I have in my life is with my sister Gretchen, who is my rock in many ways and that she is sitting over there sharing this ACA meeting is fucking fabulous. And I am like so grateful and so grateful to all of you. You've, you have helped me stay and be in recovery. And it has brought me a life beyond my wildest dreams. Here I am in this cute little RV in Connecticut and just had a lovely meal and i see all of you lovely people and uh, you know there is nothing more that i could ask for in my life than what i have been given in recovery so on that note i'm going to turn it back over to gretchen i thank you all and i will keep coming 
Thanks, honey. Thank you so much. Would everyone like to unmute and, and scream at Vanch and whatever you, you choose? Thank you, Vanch. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That was great. Thank you. 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 Th